This is Matthew Hester, Senior Pastor at Dominion Church. I want to thank you for joining us this week on the Dominion Church podcast experience. Our podcast aims to deliver truth from God's Word concerning His kingdom and your righteous identity as His beloved child. Please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and do share it with a friend. We pray that you are blessed, challenged, and changed by what you're about to hear. Thank you so much for joining us here at Dominion Church. Maybe you're watching us on Facebook Live. Thank you for that. Do me a favor, go ahead and like and share it right now so that people on your Facebook wall, your friends can be blessed by this message. Maybe you're watching on YouTube on our channel. It's Dominion Church SC. Again, like that, turn on notifications so you can get blessed as soon as one of these is uploaded. And then also maybe you can listen on our podcast experience, the Dominion Church podcast experience, wherever podcasts are and that's a mouthful so we are in all different veins all different ways that you can receive and we're just so blessed to have this opportunity to be with you again today so we are right in the middle of this series called influencers and this died very young and um, you know a failure uh, but then as time went on and his influence began to, 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 to be spread throughout literally throughout the ends of the earth you begin to find out, well, this influencer changed everything. Uh, and then in our last session, in part two of this series, I introduced you guys to a man named Howard Thurman, uh, a, a tremendous, tremendous voice in American history. And uh, it, you, again, you got to go back and listen to what, some of the stories that we share about him, but came from a, a very impoverished upbringing. His grandmother was a slave. And she, she couldn't teach him how to read or write, but she could teach him about faith. Come on, can I get an amen on that? And so if you really wanna back up, she was one of the great influences in his life and he became an influencer as a result. And one of his star uh, mentees was at that time a young Martin Luther King Jr. And so you never underestimate the power of influence. And so I wanna introduce you to another influencer to start off this session, his name, is Mordecai. Say Mordecai. And they just don't make names like that anymore. They don't make them like they used to. When I say the name Mordecai, I think of uh, like a 57 Chevy, right? I think of still a still body, right? And when, when you got in a wreck in a 57 Chevy, uh, you knew you were walking away from that wreck. It's not like cars today that's made with, you know, uh, all these light paneling and fiberglass and all that. Mordecai just sounds like a, a name of steel, Mordecai. So I want to introduce you to Mordecai. Mordecai was an American independent Baptist evangelist and a temperance movement leader. He once stated that from the time I was eight years old, I never thought of myself as anything but a Christian. At nine, I had definite convictions the Lord wanted me to preach. Now, though he had this conviction early on, he resisted God's call to become an evangelist because he also wanted to be a salesman. So he pursued that for a while. His grandfather and father, both preachers, had lived in poverty, and Mordecai did not want that for himself. But eventually the Lord prevailed. 
And six months after Mordecai married his wife, Bessie Simmons, he quit his business to enter the ministry as a fundamental Baptist. Now, one thing I do want to say I did not put here in these notes I thought was just remarkable. At this point, he came from eight generations of Baptist evangelists. His great, 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 great grandfather and on. And, and the influence continued to build. Okay, so Mordecai was a fierce opponent of alcohol and many other social evils. Again, he's part of the temperance movement. That, that's part of American history. I don't have time to, to teach on all that right now. But we had a time in our, our nation's history called Prohibition, where the, we talked about the moral evils of alcoholism. And so he was one of those ministers at the forefront of that movement. He blasted whatever he considered to be wrong. <laughs> and his preaching helped to create the climate for Prohibition. Today, memory of him is largely swept under the carpet as an embarrassment because he was also virulently anti-Semitic and anti-Catholic. Now, when I was researching this, my temptation, I want to be honest with you, was to leave that part out. But the Holy Spirit said, don't leave that out. Why would you leave that out? Because a lot of us feel like to be an influencer, we have to be perfect, no mark on our record, no imperfections. That's not the truth. God will use whoever wants to be used. So leave it in there. It's part of his story. So anti-Semitic, anti-Catholic. And so if you know who this guy is, good on you, Mordecai. Mordecai Ham is his name. He wasn't perfect by any stretch. But he remained faithful to what he felt the Lord had called him to do until his death in 1961. Okay, so who is Mordecai Ham? Who, who is this influencer? Well, in November 1934, Mordecai is doing his thing. He's preaching. He's evangelizing. He's doing tent meetings. And in November 1934, a young man came to one of his meetings named Billy Graham. And he was converted under Mordecai Ham's preaching in a revival in Charlotte, North Carolina. Through Ham's influence, Graham was launched onto a national and international platform of influence and prestige among evangelical ranks. Billy Graham would go on to minister the gospel to hundreds of millions of people in physical gatherings. Now hear that. Hundreds of millions in physical gatherings and billions via media outlets. He would also be counted among the most influential Christian leaders of the 20th century. But Billy Graham did not get to where he was on his own. He had influencers that poured into his life. And, and one that Billy Graham talked about fondly was Mordecai Ham. You know, Mordecai Ham, the guy who was an anti-Semite, <laughs> anti-Catholic, by and large considered an embarrassment, helped to lead Billy Graham to the Lord. Never underestimate your influence. Even if you find yourself in positions where you feel like, I'm embarrassed, God can't use me, I've messed up. And God's like, you know what? That's just the kind of people I'm in the habit of using. I'm thankful God doesn't look for perfect people to use. Because if so, there's only one he could ever pick. It's not me. It's Jesus. That, that's the only one. But he uses each one of us. So do not, do not use your mistakes, your hangups, your failures as excuses as to why God can't use you. 
perhaps as part of what will uniquely enable you to reach people that others cannot. Do not count yourself out. You are destined to be an influencer. Amen? Okay, so in this session and next week, I want to talk about some traits of influencers. We've talked about influence. We've talked about it in realms of how the gospel so effectively spread so quickly in the early church. Because the influencers of that day, the the early disciples, the apostles, they began to use the routes of influence to carry the gospel. They did not reinvent the will. They they identified the will. And they said, we're going to use modern trade routes. At that time, modern. We're going to use these trade routes to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And if there's a place in the trail that becomes hostile, we'll shift our mode of transportation. If we can't walk there, we'll get a boat there. If we can't do a boat, we'll we'll try a camel. The point is, we're going to take what we carry to the ends of the earth. And that's why the, the early church was able to spread so quickly and so effectively. But what I want to talk about the next two sessions is... What did these, what were the the character traits of these influencers? What made them look so different that people would stop and say, okay, I want want to receive what you carry. I want to receive what you carry. When Jesus called his followers the light of the world and the salt of the earth, he was addressing their influence. Light, what, illuminates dark places, salt, salt. It brings savor to the things that are bland or or flavorless. By looking at the church, people would better understand what God was like. That's what Jesus was saying. If If you will cooperate in this divine dance, it is possible for people to look at you and have a better understanding of who God is. That's 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 amazing to think about. Oh, you're the light of the world. You're you're the salt of the earth. Let people see you and they can see their father. That was not just an isolated incident. I know we like to quote Jesus when he says that. When he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. But that's not supposed to be an isolated incident. We all should be able to say with the same kind of faith, the same kind of confidence, that very same thing. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. Whether we look like it or not. Those of us who follow Jesus are influencers. The decisions we make, the lives we live, and the God we reflect is imparted to everyone around us. I love this verse. It's so, I love when a verse can be succinct and have this clear train of thought. And, and, and even though I, I'm not a big fan of just cherry-picking verses, this is one of those that it's almost really difficult not to just grab and, and make it you know, a life verse. But this is so good. 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. Again, we're talking the traits of influencers. 1 Timothy 4, 12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So right there we've got this this standard that we can identify. And we're going to talk about each one of these things over the next two weeks. Speech, conduct, love, faith, purity. Leaders with influence stand out. Plain and simple. They stand out. 
and, and, and I'm going to read here and you guys are, I believe you're all going to remember someone. You're going to think about someone else going to come to your mind and you're going to be like, man, they, they had influence in my life. And a lot of it's because of what I'm going to talk about right here in this moment. Leaders with influence stand out. Think about this. When a teacher has influence, the students seek a relationship outside of the classroom and they ask for advice on topics outside of the curriculum. In other words, when a teacher has influence, you just have this desire to learn. Even if it's off topic, I want to know what you know. When a manager has influence, employees, they'll pitch in on projects without even being asked. They'll go the extra mile. I know some of us in here are like, yeah, I hadn't had one of those in a long time. Maybe you've never had one of those. But such employee, employers do exist where the staff are felt so beloved and they're felt so cherished that they will go the extra mile every time. That's not just business savvy. That is the mark of a, of a, of a leader who has influence. When a pastor has influence, people will want to spend time with him and become a part of the local faith community that he leads. When an older sibling has influence, the closeness between the siblings lasts well into adulthood. In each case, we follow influential people. Not because we have to, but because we want to. The people in your life that it is a joy to follow... There's something more to it than they just have a magnetic personality. There's something to it more than when we get together, we always have a good laugh. Now, there's something more to it than that. They carry influence. And the healthiest of those who carry influence, they never think for a moment of trying to use it to manipulate someone else. Why? Because they don't have to. Influential people typically, not always, typically are authentic to themselves. You know, one of the things that I had to wrestle with, and, and it's amazing that just within a, the last few years, I've really begun to embrace it, uh, that I still would, would deal with doubt if I had anything of value to offer. And, and no, no matter what, you know, preach in front of a thousand people and people are blessed and you walk away wondering, do I, do I really have anything of value to offer? And then the Holy Spirit began to deal with my heart. And one of the ways that he did, I thought was so beautiful, was, was the, the bread aisle at the grocery store. He said, there's all this bread on this aisle. And, and every loaf of it is somebody's flavor. Hey, just, just get on the shelf. Because the people that want the flavor, they're, they're going to come, they're going to eat, they're going to taste and see that I'm good. You know? If I have a preference, I like sourdough. That's like my favorite. But I don't know if... I want to be known as a loaf of sourdough, but <laughs> but the point is, there's a reason there's a hundred different loaves of bread on the aisle, because not everyone has the same taste, not everyone's drawn to the same thing, and it's funny, in that moment, it gave me this confidence, you're one of my kids, none of my kids look the same, they all have different voices, different impact, different influence, you be you, just be you, let, let everything else go, just be you. And it, it helped me to settle that, that doubt once and for all. But I love that in each case, we follow influential leaders, not because we have to, but because we want to.
Influential leaders don't have to twist your arm. They don't have to promise you anything. No, you, you, you want to follow. Even if you can't put your finger on it, I know they're heading somewhere and I want to be a part of it. Right? So let, I got to get on track here. Traits of influencers. Let's start with the first one. Be an example in speech. Yeah, this is getting down the nuts and bolts of this. If we've been like in the heavenly realms, the third heaven for the last two sessions, this is going to get us down into the earth here. Okay? So number one, we lead, we influence with the first thing, the words that come out of our mouths. Ephesians 4.29, this is from the Passion Translation, never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth. But instead, let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. Oh, Apostle Matt, why, why you got to go this direction? This series was so much fun up until now. Because now you're telling me I got to watch what I say? Yeah. Yeah, you do. I do too. Are you, are you guys okay? <laughs> Let's go back and read it one more time. Never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. So I began to think about that. I was, I was meditating on that thought, words that bring life, words that are gifts of encouragement, words that are full of grace. And I began to find, and I began to understand this, this is talking about something more than words. It's talking about something behind these words. Because I began, I, I had memories. I had memories of what Maybe I'm sure you guys have experienced before as well, of flattery, where someone will say something to you just because they feel like it's what you want to hear, or they're trying to say it because in, in the back of their minds, they don't have anything good to say, but because you know, they want to be gracious, they just want to tell you something nice. And you can, you can pick that thing up from a mile away, right? Because no matter what they're saying, you understand there's, there, that's not what's behind that, though. Let me give you an example that we can all relate to here in the South. When, when, when a person that you love and, and that you're close to says, oh, bless your heart. Those words are beautiful words. Bless your heart, right? Nothing is wrong or ugly about those words. But what's behind those words is you, you're missing a few marbles upstairs, you, you messed up. Bless your heart. <laughs> See, maybe what it is, it, it appeals to, I have this, I, I default to this, as a lot of us do, we default to this legalistic mode when we hear things like this. And so I, I have to create this list of ugly words and hateful words. That's not what the Lord is saying. It's not about the actual word. It's about what's coming behind that word. If you love someone, you can correct them and they'll receive that word as encouragement. Are you hearing me right now? You can say something that from the onset and a third party listens might even almost sound hateful. 
But because there's relational leverage and there's love behind it, it can be received differently. Right? So it's not just about, oh, I better watch what I say, and then I know I'm okay, I'm an influencer. No, you got to influence starting here, right? And then you know what starts coming up out of your mouth? Come on, the scripture tells us, it says that the issues of the heart or the desires of the heart have this way of coming up out of the mouth. And so I said, okay, Lord, well, so what, what does this look like? What does this sound like? And then straight to Romans 14, 17, we all know this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of rules about food and drink, but it is the realm of the Holy Spirit. It is filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. So then I was like, well, what does that mean? Okay, well, so everything you say should reflect righteousness, peace, and joy. It should reflect righteousness, peace, and joy. But sometimes, man, I'm telling you, you can share a word of peace and it feels like a hand grenade. Especially if in a moment you have to confront someone's chaos to bring peace. See, I feel like, again, we're too legalistic with this. Oh, I hear words of peace. Well, then I need to lower my tone and speak in whispers, and that's peace. Now, there are moments where peace sounds like the roar of a lion in the face of a hyena trying to attack a cub. My roar will bring peace. There comes moments where joy first means I have to confront your pity party. I have to call out that spirit of depression are y'all okay right now? I feel like, like y'all looking at me like I've lost my mind. I got a horn growing right here in the middle of my head. I've talked for hours, hundreds of hours about righteousness. But there are many times where that is a word that brings confrontation. Because when you're trying to tell people who they are and they don't believe what you're saying, it can sound abrasive. It can sound like I'm disconnected. You just don't know what I've been through. And that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to speak words of life that, yes, will bring a challenge in the moment because that challenge is going to cultivate your identity, right? So don't get so locked into this legalistic idea of what that means. I think we also have to look at what our words produce. So maybe in a moment, the words don't seem like joy, but the fruit is joy. They may not seem like peace, but the fruit is peace. Even with Megan and I, four kids, there are some times of intervention that brings peace. But in the moment of intervention, it sounds like war. <laughs> what did you do to your brother? You get them together. Your tone is firm. It's assertive. It doesn't sound like peace, but it brings peace. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Okay. I got one amen. All right. We got one parent in here that knows what I'm talking about. The rest of you are just dishonest. It's all right. So, <laughs> so 
So speech. So, so I began to think of the early disciples, the apostles. They're spreading the gospel through the trade routes. They're on ships. They're on foot. They're on camels. Whatever the mode of transportation was available to them. And they began to speak and share. And what people notice is this. When they speak, there's something different about them. They're not trying to, to manipulate me. They're not trying to pull one over on me. That, that it seems like they're concerned with peace in my life. Um, they, they ask me, do I have joy? I don't know if I've ever thought if I, if I have joy. I've lived a very hard life in Rome. I, you know, I scrounge together what little crust of bread I can find to feed my, what do you mean, do I have joy? but they were influencing with their speech the same way that we influence today. Now that being said and done, one of the great components of our speech is the gospel. The gospel. You know, when I was growing up, and I know you guys have all heard this as well, but my mom used to say, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And, and I still agree with that even when it comes to the gospel. If you can't find a portion of the gospel that brings life to someone else, it's probably better just to be quiet and let someone else step in, right? Because the gospel brings life. It brings life. Okay, so let, let's shift gears here. So we, we talked about speech. Now let's look at this one, conduct. Oh, so speech was... That was tough, but now conduct, we got to go there. Of course we have to go there. These are traits of influencers. So the minute, the minute you claim to be a Christian, so we could have a debate on what that really means, right? Uh, I believe that Christianity is based on conversion, not on praying a sinner's prayer. That's just me personally. So can I, can I give you just some of my own testimony? I prayed the sinner's prayer when I was seven years old. I did not become aware of conversion until I was 17. Now, I love Jesus. I'm just saying I did not have a revelation of the work being done in my heart until I was later in my teenage years, where I began to consider what Jesus is doing in and through me. Who am I representing? All those things begin to, to, to roll over in your heart. What am I reflecting? And, and is what I'm reflecting, does it look like what I'm saying? Or, or does it look like something different? You guys know what I'm talking about. Am I the only one? See, y'all are really quiet, so it makes me just sound like, man... Apostle Matt's just having to confess his sins. We, we forgive him, but we're all great. I mean, if that's you guys, that's awesome. I really, I really am glad. Maybe this is for somebody on Facebook or YouTube. So the minute we claim to be Christians, so I like that, the minute you claim it, so, sometimes, I mean, we, we claimed it and our conversion's not even on the, in, the, in, in play yet. Oh, I'm a believer. As soon as you say that, people around you start paying attention. They do. Anybody don't talk? People at your job, as soon as they know you're a Christian, things start changing. Whether you want them to or not, they change. You know, when I worked at, in restaurants, when they, oh, especially when they find out you're an ordained minister, 
Oh, well, you can't say that around him. Uh, you, oh, my favorite's when somebody let a cuss word slip out. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Like somehow it would offend my holiness or something. And now I can't even go before Jesus till I wash clean of your profanity. But then they also begin to watch you, observe. Let's see, is this guy the real deal? Is this lady, is she the real deal? So people around us start paying attention to our behavior. They want to know if it's all talk or if we're actually serious. <laughs> they may never tell you that they're watching, but they're watching you. And at the, at, at the very, very small inner circle of this reality, your spouse is watching you, your kids are watching you. Start right there in that reality, right there in that world. They're watching you. You come to Dominion at church on Sunday, your kids are watching. Hey, I know, I saw you guys, y'all are talking about lift up my hands, that's all I got, nothing left fit for a king. And then on the way home, you're already fighting with each other. We're watching you. Which one is it? <laughs> are y'all okay? This is, I know this is tough. And, and please, I know I'm up on a platform, but I'm not in an ivory tower right now. My wife and I, we can share stories. We can share stories of arguing on the way to get into the building. And then, <laughs> and Tom's sort of like, okay, Lord, you know I got to minister your heart. <laughs> Just forgive me, help me, Lord. And usually what that means is you need to go ask your wife for forgiveness because we're good already, right? Are y'all okay? So, <laughs> so some, some of us, it's easier to ask God for forgiveness than it is to ask our spouses for forgiveness. But I want you to hear the voice of the Lord. This is what you're going to hear every time. God's going to tell you, you're forgiven already. You need to go ask for forgiveness. You know, you know from who. Go do it. <laughs> now, thankfully, and I, I, I really want to emphasize that, thankfully, this doesn't mean that we're supposed to be perfect. So there's that sigh of relief. Perfection not required. What it does mean is that God looks at our intentions. He looks at the intentions of our hearts. And, and, and like even when he looks at Peter, he, he looked at Peter's intention. You know, Peter 1.15, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. So in other words, there's a charge, but then also you see there's a call there. What does that mean to me? It means this to me in a very simple way. Jesus knows how difficult it is. It, totally different topic right now. He knows how difficult it is for us to cultivate a life of prayer. You know that? Jesus knows that. You know how I know that he knows that? Because he told his own disciples, when you pray, pray this way. Okay, you already missed it. You already missed the significance of that statement. He didn't say every day when you pray between the hours of 2 and 8. He didn't say every, every morning as you fast. No, he said, when you pray. Meaning he knows there'll be times you forget. There'll be times you don't feel connected. So how about this? When you pray, pray this way. Why? Because he knows it's tough to cultivate a life of prayer. It's tough to work on our conduct, our behavior. It's tough, like Peter, to not have moments 
where we stick our foot in our mouth, where we even deny Jesus. And he says, you know, I got a call in your life and, and keep pressing towards that. I see, I see the intentions of your heart, All right? The surface, you look like a car wreck, but on the inside, I can see you're a son and a daughter and you're pressing forward towards the prize, the high call. I see it. I see it. So when we stumble, what do we do? We acknowledge our mistakes and we continue to move forward in faithfulness. When push comes to shove, it's not our flawless behavior that people are looking for anyway. Think about it. I was thinking about this. The people in my life that oftentimes I feel the greatest distance between the two of us is because their assumptions are I am being something that they can't be. Even if it's not, it's certainly not true. But like, oh, well, he, he's, a, he's a pastor. He stayed faithful. He can juggle all this. He can stay committed. He stuck to the plan. I can't do that. And there's this distance that grows. And why is that? Because somewhere in that, they think flawless behavior is what we're out for. And it's not. Because right now, if, if, if we had the time and we were all ready to embarrass ourselves, I could pass the mic and we could all share about how opposite we are of flawless behavior. And so that's why I just go ahead and I side with Paul and I say, okay, God, in my weakness, your strength is made perfect. Flawless behavior can go to hell where it belongs because that is the fruit of legalism. Come on. But you want to see the strength of God made perfect. He's got to find weak places to fill. Here am I, Lord. Here's a weak place. Let your strength be made perfect. <laughs> Are you, um, I should have said hell. Did I offend somebody? I'm sorry. Okay. I mean, it's in the Bible a lot. So, you know, well, it depends on which version you have. But, but when push comes to shove, it's not our flawless behavior that people are looking for. It's our sincerity. Man, I, I, can, I can ride or die with someone who's sincere. I mean, seriously. And they can bug the heck out of me. Mess up. Why, oh, why did you say that? Why did you do that? But then the sincerity comes out full circle. And you're like, man, they got a heart for God. They're, they're, they, they, they're, they're trying to do what they believe is right. Okay, count me in. I'm there. <laughs> but the one that's got it all together and they float above the floor and all that, well, they don't need me. They, they do their thing. Them and their flawless selves. That's not what I'm looking for. So let me urge you in this, and we'll just have to finish on this point. I, I took way too long on these first two. So we'll cover the, the, the other three next time. The other three being love, faith, and purity. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going we're gonna to have a blast. But I want to encourage you in this. And this, man, this sounds so risky, but it's, it's right. It's good. We have to be transparent about our mistakes. 
That doesn't mean you shake someone's hand for the first time and tell them all the terrible things you did. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you want to cultivate an authentic community where trust can be at a very high level. You have to be transparent about your mistakes. And when you're transparent, there's something that should follow. You demonstrate a genuine desire to not do those things again. Listen, I've done this. I'm a repeat offender. But, but I, I, I hope that you'll give me the opportunity to demonstrate that I, 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 that's not who I am. Yeah, I've done those things, but it's not who I am. Could you imagine if we all just felt that kind of freedom? So, so then, then when we walk in the room, listen, I'll tell you guys this. Growing up in a prophetic house, especially in the 90s, like bleeding edge, Right? And some of y'all have been prophesied to some of those very same voices I'm talking about. Times, Melody and I used to kid about it, where going to a service, I'd ask the Lord, forgive me for any, any sin I missed. Forgive me for any hidden offense. Because I know these accurate prophets will pick up on it in a second. Right? And you'd, you'd walk into service kind of, if they don't, I felt like if they locked eyes with me, it calls the prophetic to activate. So shifty eyes, you know, Wanda Mabe looking at you and you start going, oh, I got, I use the bathroom all of a sudden in your 15 minute bathroom break. What I'm trying to say is this. What if you just walk in and say, hey, listen, I made some mistakes. This is what they are. But it's not who I am. And thank you for grace. I'm, I'm committing to be faithful and do better. Can you imagine just having that kind of freedom? That's the kind of freedom Jesus gives to us. And now we need the grace to figure out how to give it to each other. Because if we can't, what we're reflecting is this. My standard is greater than his. His standard is forgiveness. My standard is meeting the requirements. And somehow in this world, my standard has become greater than his. Which brings us into one of those traits we'll look at next time, love. Love is always the supreme standard, always. So when we have that space to be transparent about our mistakes, to demonstrate a genuine desire to do better, then that has this amazing impact on everyone around us. The people you're hiding from become your support system. The people you're ashamed to talk through the the issues, they become your cheerleader. Because all of a sudden, confession brings power. And I know we always think it's the reverse. We think hiding keeps us powerful. No, hiding makes, makes the issue powerful. Confession makes you powerful. Because it's all out in the open. I mean, what are you going to do? Use it against me? I've already 
told everybody what's up. Say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. Everybody knows already. So now, let's move forward. And then you know what you find out? The people that are holding it against you, you're moving forward and they're stuck on pause. And you've got to have that grace. Come on, let's move together. Let's not let this become a wedge between us. All right? Okay, we, we, we got to end here. I hope this has blessed you guys. Um, and so next week, we'll, we'll pick back up on that verse. So if you want to go back, look through 1 Timothy 4, especially verse 12, because this, this really is uh, just some amazing mentorship going on in these verses. Timothy's being taught some gold standard truths here. But 1 Timothy 4.12, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but be an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Those five characteristics summarized beautifully in that verse, they are the traits of influencers. And again, it's not, it's not because I want to influence. It's because this is who I am. And when you naturally are who you're supposed to be, people will follow you not because they have to, but because they want to. There's a beautiful synergy in it all. Lord, we just thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for this room full of influencers. I thank you for the influencers who are watching and listening. Lord, I thank you that they're, specifically for tonight, we're talking about being marked by their speech and marked by their conduct. Lord, I thank you that you fill our mouths with the language of heaven. You fill our mouths with conversation that reflects the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God being righteousness, peace, and joy in Holy Spirit. Maybe for some of us, our new prayer language should, maybe we should put tongues to the side for a little bit and learn how to encourage our brothers in English. Maybe for some of us, that'll go further than trying to pray the mysteries of heaven. Some of us, the mysteries of heaven are withheld from us because we haven't figured out how to be an encouragement to one another. But Lord, fill our mouths with speech born of heaven. If any man speaks, let him speak as an oracle of God. Let him speak as one who is born from heaven. And Lord, we are sons and daughters born from heaven. Lord, let our speech reflect that. And then with our conduct. Again, this is not about legalism. This is not about, oh, do this so you can get X, Y results. The conduct is what is, 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 it basically is communicating an atmosphere of freedom. Where when we mess up, we're not defined by the mess up. But we come with confession. We come with an open heart. We come with intention. Lord, let us be known by our intention. Let the intention begin to bear fruit in our lives. At some point, we taught the culture of the kingdom and all these things. Some of us have been so focused on deconstructing what was there, we forgot to build something in its place. You know, I heard this in my spirit today. Uh, the Lord was sharing with me about culture, and He said, perhaps instead of trying to replace culture, we should just focus on building it. Just focus on building it. And what you build will show you what should remain. And so Lord, just help us to build that environment of freedom. Let this house be a house of freedom, a house of transparency, a house of encouragement, a house where we can not only, not only say things that are kind, but Lord, let the words be energized by life, peace, joy. I love what that verse said in the Passion, gifts of grace. 
transform people's lives. We do carry that. Lord, help us to release it. Lord, I thank you for all these things now. Decree them by faith in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks so much for being a part of this. Again, like and share this if it's been a blessing to you. Do me a favor. If you'd like to come be a part of one of our in-person gatherings, we're here at 4.30 on Sundays right now. We'd love to have you come be a part of that. God bless you. We will see you next week.